Welcome to Geek's Corner. I'm Mr. Daps. I'm Katie. The Vikings would use bones of slain animals imbued into their iron swords in the smelting process, thinking that the bones would give the strength of said animal to their weapons, when in fact, the calcium from the bones being burnt in made the first proto-steel, in fact, making them stronger. That is fascinating. So they were right. I mean, they were right. They didn't know how right they were. That's fascinating. Not me. What? I'm left-handed. My name is Cameron. True. Use the hashtag Geeks Corner or talk to us on the YouTube chat to interact with us. We like interaction because it's at a premium these days, and that's pretty much the only reason we do it now. True. And I will have to admit, Cameron, I actually did know that fact. Well, you're allowed For one out of every few. Every few, yeah. Um, growing up in northern Minnesota, we had the Leif Erikson Park along the shore oh, of did. Lake Superior. <laughs> November 15th is Lee Ferguson's day. But anyway, there was this wonderful plaque. And I, as you were speaking, I was like, oh, I've read this before. And um, so, yes, I. That's the most northern Minnesota thing. Once in a while, these things just happen. I was going to say that's the most northern Minnesota thing I've ever heard. And I was like, it's not. I've heard your other stories. No, there's others. There's way better ones. What you call salad. And that's the most northern thing I've ever heard. The first ingredient should not be mayonnaise. I'm just saying. Why not? Or potato. Um, potatoes. Yes. Very good. All right. Well, uh, let's hop right into the show. And I think it starts off with the big news of the day, which is that Hamilton will be arriving on Disney Plus on July 3rd. Not the cat, but the Broadway musical. And um, I mean, so you might grow familiar, more familiar with the cat. That's that is true. Cute. He's a baby. That That is true. Um, so anyway, this has gotten a lot of excitement, especially among the team here. Uh, first off, first question, how do you feel about this coming to Disney Plus? And uh, then we'll move on from there because I have more questions. I'm very excited about it. I like that I don't have to wait another year and a half for it. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it 15 supposed... months earlier now? Yeah, it's supposed to be October 15th, 2021. Yeah. And now we get it in two months, which is really awesome. Um, I wish almost that it got a theatrical release because I feel like it deserves a theatrical release. Like this is something I would want to see in a theater setting, but I'm very happy. I just get to watch it at home whenever I want. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that'll be very fun. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes you want to buy the projector so you can actually put it up on a full wall. Oh, my gosh. And like have a really good surround sound set up and like yeah oh, go fully. all out with that. Yeah. Um, the downside is is we might still be socially distancing then, so then it would just be in a room where it happens by yourself, and uh, that would be kind of a bummer because this really would be one that would be fun to have a bunch of people watching together. I'll, I feel I'll like I'll pay myself twenty bucks for a little pack of peanut M and M's, and I'll make myself feel like I'm at the theater. Okay. The, or the, bro just, the Broadway theater. I'm sure you could pay either Cameron or I $20, and we'd be happy to give you the theatrical experience, too. Like, we could spill some soda on the floor. Oh, and perfect. And throw popcorn at you. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to recreate the Broadway experience, yes. which means that first I'm going to accost you as you walk to your living room and attempt perfect. to get yourself seated perfect. by trying to sell you tickets to a show that you already don't forget, have. And don't forget perfect. to push the uh, the program into your face. Yes. Yes. Which also costs $30. Yes. Because <laughs> it's a commemorative program. 
Absolutely. Uh, so what do you think, Cameron? As excited as I am, I am trepidatious, and I will tell you why. Because it's probably my second question, but go. Yeah. Um, in an article I wrote for DAPS, goodness, a couple years ago now, um, I talk about my biggest movie annoyances, and many of them do apply, apply theatrically as well. One of them is unnecessary language. Um, and my big caveat on that is that it's not that I'm opposed to certain words or actions being done or said in film. It's just that they need to have a purpose. Yeah. Uh, and the language is so important in Hamilton, even the explicative language, that I am very scared of censorship on Disney Plus because it's it's just a, it's the core of the wording is so important to the way Lin-Manuel Miranda writes and even to replace words or censor them entirely is it's almost a, a, a tragedy for, for something like that to be. Well, you should go beyond words because it's not just words in Hamilton. It's themes and um, scenes and things that are happening. Like there's lots of things that I think will probably be further along or more adult themed than anything else that you can currently find on Disney Plus. If I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. You are wrong. And I'll tell you, Hunchback of Notre Dame addresses some of these themes. Um, <laughs> But not as direct. Um, and it, it's also not as direct. Well, and well, something we were talking about earlier is that, yes, there is the language and they could censor it. I, I hope they don't. I hope they don't. It is all used with a very specific intent in mind. Um, it is causing a certain feeling in people. I don't want that to be censored. Um, there is a very impor important plot point in Act 2. And the entire song has themes that aren't necessarily appropriate on disney plus um but if they cut it you would not understand any of the repercussions yeah, in act two it is, it is the motivation for the second half of the show uh-huh and yeah and it's done beautifully it because is. it's done from a couple of different perspectives and it's but it's hard it is hard so matter so what do they do do you think it like what do you predict we see on july 3rd a ton of warnings I think yeah. that there is a warning when you click on it, um, much like the Netflix. Are you still watching feature? Um, I don't think it'll just be like a pre-roll. I think it'll be a this has mature themes and adult language. Do are they going to get Leonard Malton to do a introduction? <laughs> I just think that they'll put out a do you like you Hello, have to. I'm Dame Julie Andrews. Actually, <laughs> you know what I hope they do, though, just bringing this up is I hope that they bring Miranda in and he does yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and it'd be the, He's very the guy. So. And if yeah. they really want to do it completely right, they do him and Iger together doing it, just like they were on Good Morning America, I think, this yeah. morning, um, because they clearly have fun together. And that can be Iger's Walt Disney moment that he's never really taken. Um, and if he really wants to go all the way with it, he can go, hello, I'm Bob Iger. <laughs> and, and then he can have his Michael Eisner moment, his Walt Disney moment, and his Broadway moment as well. And, and I'd be okay with all that. See, I I I think you're right on with the logic, but I do think it'll be Lynn and we're on a first name basis um, of him sitting with his leg crossed in a large leather armchair, drinking something with steam coming out of it. Just like, hi. You in Hamilton's know, house. I'm Lynn my male Miranda. Uh, <laughs> but it's going to be tough because see, here's the thing. They're going to get, no matter what they do, they're going to have somebody angry at them. There are, oh, yeah. there, Absolutely. There are certain segments of the audience who 
for lack of a better word, feel entitled to all content coming from Disney to be tailor fit for them. Um, and while in some ways having something at the park that would be harder to parse for a child is a little bit more in the argument spectrum of that, whether or not it should be allowed. But as far as content put on Disney plus censoring art is a, is a prickly subject. And I feel like there are certain folks that are going to be a little bit in arms if they don't realize despite all the warnings and i can see it, the argument for both sides of that yeah. um clocky's asking what movie rating would you give hamilton so by the official standards it would get an r rating because it okay. does use a certain word more than once yes there we and go. more importantly it uses that word with additives that is another caveat for moving from oh, did you realize that? Uh, yeah if you huh. can even if it's only used once but it is used with uh certain familial relationships yes. attached to it yeah um that also would bump it to an r rating so I, I think i think the real challenge is it probably is a film or whatever you want a recording that is best suited for a service like hulu and uh they're trying to fit a round peg in, or what is it, a square peg into a round hole either way uh, either way it's not necessarily the best fit for Disney Plus. However, I can't imagine how many subscribers they're going to get just because of this. Um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I was reading a book or a article earlier today about uh, the author of the book, um, Ron Chernow, and I've been reading his Washington book recently. And apparently after he saw Hamilton for the first or second time, he called his publisher up and was like, hey, I think you're going to need to print more books. And, and the guys sold... I don't know, tons of books because uh, of this show. And um, so if I were Disney, I would want to capitalize on that as much as possible. It'll be interesting to see how it's capitalized. I would not be surprised if you see some sort of, um, yes, parental warning, but I almost wonder if they're going to put a, like it's weird to think about, but a child uh, protection thing on it whatever those are called and uh re-enter your password or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah like i could almost see something like that which is weird to think because cameron's right there is a certain like bob Iger said it a million times disney is a family brand and all of that other stuff goes other places yeah. and um and it doesn't like the historical aspect and the fun aspect of it totally fits in with disney the adult themes does not fit in with disney that doesn't even let uh, its characters smoke on screen unless uh tom hanks really complains and um uh, no gonzo has smoked on screen after being launched out of that cannon that is true but that was pre-disney um that you know they're not going back and retconning everything but uh but it, it will be interesting to see um i really hope we get to see the whole thing as it was Written. Me too. When so I've been a fan of Hamilton for a long time, clearly. Um, oh, for half your life. At least. Um, that's why this little boy is named Hamilton. He's my little baby. He just turned four. Um, but when they announced they had filmed the original Broadway cast all together on stage of the Richard Rogers Theater, everyone was like, Is this getting locked in a vault? Are we ever gonna see this? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we all actually have a chance to see it, I hope I get to see it in its pure form. <laughs> one way or the other i hope so too the thing that gives me hope about that is there there is i assume an amount of artistic control that miranda has over it and he does not strike me as the type of person who would let it get out in any yeah. form so we'll see 
yeah it'll it'll be in, unless there's a phased release or something where they're like here's this and if you want to see the whole thing for twenty dollars you can download it on movies anywhere or you know whatever that is um, i could see that happening too because i think they spent was it 95 million dollars to buy this and uh, disney did and yeah. uh and i don't know what the profit return on that will be for disney plus because it's not expected to make profit for a few years i'm assuming this is a bump to get it there quicker but um you know i'm sure they have a way of testing that but 95 million dollars is a lot of money yep all right well let's move on with the show and uh shanghai disneyland opened this week it uh was kind of one of those weird things because of time changes where was it opening sunday afternoon sunday evening something like that as um really it was monday over there and uh, we saw a very empty park that was open for day guests that was very interesting we saw some things that went uh fairly smoothly some other things that i think people won't be super happy about um but overall it sounds like things are going as well as could be expected and um and uh it's been interesting to see the pictures coming out and like there's the one that i've seen lots of people talking about because they're watching like it's a chip and dale show and the one guy has his foot standing outside of the square and everybody's freaking out about it. And uh, I, I will admit, I saw that picture and my first thought was like, huh, that's way better than when they were in the gardens. And uh, because remember when this park opened, they had the issue of trying to retrain all of these guests that decided um, gardens should be used for things traditionally used restrooms and um, garbage everywhere. Like it was kind of a, a crazy place. So um very quickly, what did you think of the opening ceremony and the opening day of Shanghai Disneyland? I think that people are making mountains out of molehills. I think that they're finding problems where they want to find problems. Um, there is a lot of difference between China and the United States. There are yeah. a lot of things that happen in China that wouldn't work in the United States. And I think that people are expecting a direct comparison. And that's just not something that they can find um but i think that i'm hopeful with what i'm seeing there cameron uh, america is a very different culture than pretty <laughs> much any other park in the world and the nicest way of saying it is that there is a more prevalent community respect in these other countries that i just don't think we're going to be able to achieve in america you know i would actually 100 percent disagree with that having visited disneyland paris and and hearing stories that i've heard if, if you're talking tokyo 100 percent agree but in hong kong and china i have heard so many different unique i'm going to call them stories mm. that i actually 100 percent disagree with you on that because that is the place where people have no they don't care about fences. They don't care that you're not supposed to walk here. And, 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 um, and that's, was my experience in, in Paris too. Like I, I remember at one point literally having to remove myself from a place because the guests were so horrible, not only to the people and the cast members around them, but to each other, like a little boy walking up and starting to just whack the heck out of a guy next to him. Cause he was in the way. And I was just like, what is happening here? Like, this is not, normal or acceptable and and um so i don't actually think we can make any judgments off of of what we think the guests are or aren't like because they all have their weird um quirks based on the stressors and the worldviews of the place they come from 
Yeah, and I agree with that to, to, to the extent of, of cultural differentiation, but it's not just that that I'm talking about. It's also the ability of the locations, the ability of the location to influence the actions of the people therein. Um, where, where Shanghai and Tokyo live in, a li let's just say the punishments would be a bit more severe if people were to act out of line, um, which is not to say it's a benefit or detractment either way in comparison to the American political landscape. I'm just saying that, that it would be a bit steeper repercussion if somebody were to step out of line in that way, especially under these conditions. I'm just, I, I agree with Katie in that it's not a direct one-to-one -one comparison. I also fully acknowledge that the American parks are, especially the West Coast, not built for this kind of stuff i think yeah. west coast is the biggest challenge i yeah. actually think um in many ways walt disney world is more in line um with i mean it's it's a better apples to apples or apples to pears maybe um comparison for someplace like shanghai and then walt disney world orange and, is right there it's in it's in orange county in both places <laughs> yeah but um yeah so orange is in I don't know what Shanghai would be, but um, but I think Walt Disney Maryland. World and Shanghai probably, thank you, um, are probably closer than um, Disneyland and Walt Disney World in this regard, just because of the people that are coming to it. And, and I think of like when you go see a parade on Main Street in Florida, they put a piece of tape on the ground and everybody's like, oh, I guess I should stay inside the tape. And miraculously, it happens and it happens for fireworks and 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 they like, hey, don't show up for a show until 30 minutes before. And people don't show up to a show before 30 minutes before. And I'm like, how the heck do you do this? And then they try to do that here with with parades and, um, you know, opening day of magic happens. They're like, oh, don't get there an hour before. And what was it three hours before? Four like hours half of Main, before. four hours before half of Main Street was already packed. We moved from and California. Eventually we were like, oh. Yeah. So I think the real big question mark is with Disneyland more than Walt Disney World. I think they'll have an easier opening in that regard. Um, how easy, I don't actually know. But uh, I think overall, Shanghai has done a fairly decent job of reopening and keeping things um, from a structural system that they've set together uh, more or less socially distant, it seems like. Yeah, I think it was a best possible outcome for their opening. And my big question is, is I, I can't wait to see how they change things um, in the coming weeks. Like, because you know that they're analyzing and adjusting. And I think oh, yeah. that will be the fascinating thing to see what changes and what doesn't change. And um, I saw Bob Chapek in that interview said that um, if things go well, they're going to be adding 5,000 extra people per week um, that will be allowed into the park. And I don't know if that's over the course of the week or per day. I'm assuming per day, but that'll be interesting to see as well. Um, Clocky is making an excellent point that Shanghai does have way much more, way more space. Um, Shanghai than, is huge. Yeah, it will be, it will be fascinating to see how that plays out. Um, one thing I did like though that I hope they bring over here is um, currently you do have to have a reservation to show up at mm -hmm. uh, Shanghai Disneyland, and in the fine print for annual pass holders during the reservation period. Um, that doesn't count towards your expiration date. So that keeps getting pushed off um, until like this doesn't, it counts as the park being closed. Um, so then if you've paid for a top of the line pass where you're supposed to be able to get in every day and you cannot, um, it won't 
charge you for those basically until you can get in every day when when that's allowed again yeah um I, I just think it's been really interesting to watch Shanghai. And like I said, I feel like people have been wanting them to fail almost. Um, but I'm really glad that they're succeeding. Mm-hmm. So. Um, one of the things that came out of it also is that uh, I think it was Bob Chapek said that when we reopen in the United States, uh, most likely guests and cast members will be forced to wear uh, face masks. And to me, this was like, oh, that's good. And and we ran the story, what was it, Monday, Tuesday? Uh, Monday. Yesterday. So Monday. So Monday. That was yesterday. <laughs> oh, and, gosh. And I really thought that was just like, okay, that makes sense, common, whatever. Um, yeah. I was amazed at the amount of commentary that our article... Vitriol, I believe is the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I I was surprised a little bit because to me, it it kind of was like, well, if that gets us back in the park, there's way worse things. And it could be the fact that I wear a bow tie when it's 95 (laughs) degrees to Disneyland. So I'm used to suffering. Um, But uh, I I don't, am I the only person that was surprised by this a little bit or? I was shocked. There was some things that I thought was interesting and I've noticed it everywhere um is that some people uh think that this is the problem that disney has to figure out that they don't want to wear a mask so disney needs to figure out what to do and that's not the case um a lot of people are like well, what about me and i'm like you don't go to disneyland like that is how this works um but as many of you know i work in a job where i face the general public um our current model that we have of general public the current model that we have of serving customers um basically makes it the the customers in the store for maybe 10 to 15 seconds max um the amount of people that refuse to wear a face mask for those 10 to 15 seconds um or make a very big stink about the fact that we simply recommend a face mask we have a posting on our front door that says face masks recommended but it's not required to come in um or get upset that we the people working there are wearing them um, it's a very silly thing to get upset about, in my personal opinion. You're just kind of showing love to people around you by protecting them. But, uh, hey, what do I know? Go ahead, Cameron. You know who does know something? Who? The CDC. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, y'all, uh, I, I'm not normally terribly conflagratory when it comes to opinions on this type of things. But when all of science is telling you something... It's a real good time to listen. Um, it, here, here's the thing. What, what is the worst possible outcome if the science is wrong and the face masks do nothing? What is the worst thing? My the glasses worst get fogged. You get uncomfortable <laughs> a little. Your ears kind of hurt. Isn't being uncomfortable a little worth several people's lives? Yes! Yeah, what if? What if? Yeah. You're literally showing compassion by wearing something that goes like this. Even if it did nothing, you are socially signaling to others that you care about. And there's so many cool masks out there now. Like, I I actually... And cool artists you can buy those masks from. Yes, absolutely. And we should have prepared ahead of time so we could send people to them. Um, But... Yeah, go ahead, Megan's. Yes, Megan. Uh, she's a dear friend of mine. I have bought three masks from her. Uh, Star Wars, Pixar, Disney Princess, whatever you want. Um, she's wonderful. Uh, I believe her website is thingamajiggies.com. Uh, she's on Instagram as Meg's Thingamajiggies. 
if you follow me, I have tagged her in all my face masks posts. She's a wonderful person. I'm wearing her masks for eight plus hours a day. They don't slip down when I talk too much. Um, and she's just a really nice person. So um, go support her because she's awesome. That is that is true. Um, another uh, group, another person, team, couple. That's a better word. Another, yes, all of those uh, that you'd love to support uh, that would be a lot of fun is next uh, Tuesday night. I almost said Thursday night because I started thinking of uh, Daft <laughs> and me. But uh, next Thursday night, we are going to have a guest, well, a pair of guests on Geeks Corner. And uh, let's see if I can make technology work. And I can. We are going to have Leg Life on with us next Tuesday night. Um, we haven't had a guest in a while. And with the new technology, we weren't sure... Um, how that would all work but with this setup totally easy and it's great so uh they are going to be on they do a lot of vlogs of, of the parks and in uh disney cruises and cameron do you want to talk a little bit more about them uh sure so uh awesome couple they live up in alaska and have traveled a lot of places they've uh, done a grand slam on the disney cruise ships they have been on every single one um and are extremely knowledgeable about traveling in general and how to do it the correct way um, and traveling when it comes to Disney. Uh, they have got some great stories and experiences up on their channel. And mo most importantly, they're good people. It's nice yeah. to listen to good people talk about things in a positive way. And you I can tell them. instantly, like the moment you turn on their video, you're like, oh, I like you. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And they're from Alaska, which is one of my favorite places. I have a lot of childhood memories from there. And uh, I promise I won't go too deep into Alaska stuff. Most interesting thing to me is that being in Alaska, you are landlocked kind of away from Disney parks. Um, and a lot of their videos is bringing the Disney magic home um, and doing it in ways that's super awesome. And it's just positive and happy. And you get happy watching other people do it. So, so make really sure fun. to watch next week and uh, go check out their channel today or tonight. And, uh, and not right now. Wait like like another five minutes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wait till we're done. But uh, yeah. yeah. So make sure to come back <laughs> next uh, Tuesday night at uh, nine thirty and don't miss that at thegeekscorner.com because it will be a lot of fun and uh, I'm looking forward to it and you should too. And uh, it'll be it'll be a great night. All right. Moving right along, Boba Fett. Cameron's favorite Star Wars character <laughs> is coming to the Mandalorian for the second season. All right. So my tattoo says luminous beings are we. And then the follow-up side is going to be as long as you're not Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's fair. Um, so thoughts on Boba Fett returning. Katie, go ahead. Should I go first? Yeah. Because I'm just too. a girl with Star Wars opinions. Um, I personally am excited to see more of the character. Um, not that necessarily we need characters rooted in the Skywalker saga to make the series interesting, but I do think it is interesting to see the ways they incorporate characters from the Skywalker saga. Um, I, I feel like some people in their mind, Star Wars things only hold validity if there is a connection to the movies that they know and love. Um, I really like to see really fun original content where you go, huh, how did they connect that? Um, and seeing where people are in different places in the galaxy at different times. So I'm excited to see why Boba Fett, how Boba Fett, where Boba Fett. Season seven of The Clone Wars. 
I should watch the Clone Wars, huh? <laughs> I think you all need to watch the Clone Wars before season two of The Mandalorian because I think, especially the last season, there's going to be a lot of connections uh, between that. I hate to say this, but you probably also want to watch Star Wars Rebels because it looks like there's going to be some connections there. Well, we already know there's a connection that's major there. Um, but there's so many things to watch. I think, I think between um, elements of Clone Wars, elements all involving Mandalorians and Rebels and then season two of The Mandalorian. It's going to tie up a lot of loose ends, including how is Boba Fett a Mandalorian, perhaps? Go ahead, Cameron. What do you think of your favorite character coming back to Star Wars? The year was 1976, and a young George Lucas, hot off his uh, most recent success with American Graffiti, was conceptualizing uh, this new show, space sci-fi based loosely on Flash Gordon called Star Wars. Uh, he was toying with the idea of what the, the beginning then the Star Wars I event think it was at that time. time. Um, the drop the V, call it just just space. Star Wars. Yeah, um, and he's conceptualizing what to make the most evil character in the universe, Darth Vader, look like. And there were many concepts that were to uh, toyed around. One of them that was thrown in the garbage <laughs> was Boba Fett. And then later, when they needed a plot point to find the characters that were lost and scrambling to get things finished on time, they pulled out of the garbage the design for Boba Fett. Boba Fett's a bad character. <laughs> hey, you know who else came out of the garbage? Forky. Yeah, it didn't it work out either. Um, point is... They have done nothing for Boba Fett to warrant the cult-like following that has come after him. And but that's exactly why he has the cult-like following, it's, isn't it? It's exactly, he's so mysterious. I um, love the mystery. And and so this is going to do one or two of two things. Um, it is either going to flesh out a character that we know almost nothing about other than he got killed by a non-force-sensitive blind man, or... It's but apparently going to wasn't killed. It's going to ruin the one thing that makes Boba Fett special. Now, mind you, I'm very much playing a contrarian. Boba Fett's cool. All right. I get it. Boba Fett just looks cool. It's the same logic as like a Power Ranger, except he's got a jetpack with a rocket on it. It's cool. And he disintegrates people. Yeah. And you know nothing about him. The more you know about a character like that, where mystery is his core impetus of success, the less likely you are to be really taken with the character so i think there's a chance of ruining the thing that makes boba fett so special that being said i personally feel like he actually does need more fleshing out and i think it's a fantastic opportunity especially if they play him right to continue to make him mysterious and in a force of power in the universe that just comes back out of nowhere i think it could be done very well and i'm actually really looking forward to it as much as i play up the hate hating boba fett thing. i think it's gonna be really cool i just hope they do it right and I have the same concerns as you do. Um, my redeeming thought really comes back to uh, Dave Filoni being an executive producer on oh, The Mandalorian. I love him. And also John Favreau. And I feel like between the two of them, they're excellent storytellers. And Dave Filoni just has that deep love and knowledge of the lore and storytelling. So that gives me hope. Um, as long as they don't overdo it. Like, I keep hearing more and more names from deeper Star Wars lore being thrown at The Mandalorian. Yeah. And I do think there is a chance of getting too much 
crossfire happening in too many connections. Um, however, they've done fine with it with Rebels and uh, Clone Wars, which I think is probably the best uh, correlations or, or things to reference when you're looking at what they're doing with the Mandalorian, it appears. So I think it'll be fine. I mean, fan service is great if it's earned. And yeah. uh, the Avengers Endgame is the perfect example of it. That movie is 50% fan service. Absolutely. It works. Yeah. And it's totally great. Um, speaking of fan service, our final topic for tonight is we now know for sure that National Treasure is not only getting a new movie with members of the original cast, but it's also getting a series on Disney Plus um, that will have a new young and up coming cast um we don't know really anything about that other than i believe (laughs) um but they do have the pilot written for the disney plus series and they've got the first season plotted out and the movie is currently in process of being written so it actually sounds like the series is further ahead than the movie um what do you think about this? Two, do you think um, they're going to have Nicolas Cage in the series, maybe as kind of a setup or a mentor or a off-you-go kind of guy? Um, are we excited about this? Are we not? Cage is going to say, I'm putting together a team. <laughs> and Cameron's going to get up and walk out. Uh-huh. Putting together a team to find all the nation's secrets. <sighs> Go ahead, Cameron. You have thoughts. I am excited, and I will tell you why. For which one or both? Both. Okay. I will tell you why. Because there are certain things that are tropes for a reason. And the mysterious, significant association with actual world landmarks and creating an adventure around them is very much a trope. uh, The National Treasure Series did not start that by any means, but it works. And it's also a perfect trope for a serial. I think it could work great in an episodic manner. I look to uh, comparison is Doctor Who. Doctor Who episodes are the exact same thing every single time. But because it's a great canned 60-minute thing that you can do, it works. In the same way that if you pull a little bit of what I assume is going to diverge out of American lore and probably go into much more. Otherwise, they're going to run out of stuff. Yeah, it's only a couple hundred years to work with. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you move into the world of significant artifact and uh, cultural association, um, there's a lot of opportunity there, not just for good adventure storytelling, but learning. I mean, how many people were as aware of some of the details of the Declaration of Independence before National Treasure came out? Yeah. Um, I think I think it is a good opportunity to talk a little bit more about those things. I do think it's also very important, and this is my caution, that as soon as you start delving into multicultural things, you need to be sensitive of those cultures. And, and do it right. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you think I, I I'm imagining it imagining it being young generations version of the young Indiana Jones series? Um, kind of that thing-ish. You know, it might not be the same way they set it up, but uh, that was kind of the feel I got for it when I was reading about it. Um, what do we think about the movie? Like, what do you do? Is is there another story to be told there that, that that's that big? I I just don't know. Like to me, yeah, I, I, I was I spent some time. I wrote the article, and afterwards, I was like, "Huh." I what think are they the, fact, <laughs> the fact that we don't know is is actually fairly hopeful. Um, it means that we're going to be either pleasantly or otherwise surprised by whatever they do. So it means we Which don't know great. the story before it happens. Okay. 
Um, any predictions? Uh, Nick Cage yells for no reason. Well, yes. Katie? I don't... I've never seen any of the National Treasure movies. <laughs> well, you sh- Disney Plus, uh, you oh, can get started. Talk um, about running tropes. Katie not seeing something. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she, she's already checked Hunchback off my list of movies she has to see, so at this point, she can watch or not care. watch whatever she wants. I don't yeah. care. Uh, it's it's definitely worth I, I think I don't actually remember much of the second one the first one I really do enjoy and uh, it's you, you, the perfect description this actually came up not too recently but I remember this conversation happening the reason it works is because the movie has to be built around Nick Cage Nick Cage oh, yeah. is such a specific actor that if you put him in a different movie say I don't know Ghost Rider it doesn't really work because Ghost Rider was not built for Nick Cage. That is it, true. The Nick Cage focus, Nick Cage centric. National Treasure is built around Nick Cage, and it works because of it. Mm-hmm. That is very true. All right. Well, uh, we will see what, if anything, happens with both of these because everything's an unknown. I feel like in entertainment. So, even though scripts exist and are being created, that doesn't really mean anything until we have a. Um, you know, a, a real release date, I think, is probably the best best approach. So um, I guess it's this time. You should go to thegeekscorner.com if you're not there already watching it. Thegeekscorner.com is the place that we put all of these episodes, including all the ones that came before and the ones that are to come, Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. You can go to adaptsmagic.com, check out all the Disney and geek news as it happens, because things are actually happening now. It's kind of nice. Subscribe to our mailing list and find our Patreon. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our videos that are coming up. We just put a Parade of Dreams video up from, we think, 2006. It might be late 2005. I don't know. You go watch it and you tell us. But we've got a lot of other old videos that we will be uh, putting up along with new videos as well. We've got uh, Daps D&D on Thursday nights at, what, 8.30? Is that when we, we do that? And eight, but it tends to be 30 by the time we start. <laughs> that's what it is. It is supposed to be eight. So anyway, Thursday nights, Daps D&D. We've got Daps Magic Lives coming up and we're going through uh, extinct Disney attractions and determining which one will be the best extinct Disney attraction. So you don't want to miss those as we put those live as well. But uh, we don't have much more time. That is all the time we have for tonight. So we will see around the corner.